Disclaimer, the contents of this podcast do not constitute medical or professional advice and do not reflect the opinions of the affiliates, promotional sponsors or partners or advertising agencies and only reflects the opinions of the members and guests. This podcast contains explicit content and offends everyone equally. VTSR expressly disclaims any and all liability relating to any actions taken or not taken based on any or all contents of this podcast. We disclaim any responsibility. Listen at your own risk. Main sponsors, Nostifiance Group, LLC. For all your training, consulting, and special operations solutions needs. For military, law enforcement, and private clients. Uptown Autoglass. For all your glass needs located in Columbus, Georgia. Atax Camo. You won't even see them coming. Sing it with me. Take it away, JP. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the show. How are you guys doing? Doing great. How about you, Mike? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, JP? I'm doing great. How's that uh, microphone working for you, Mike? Uh, I'm still getting used to it. I mean, I guess it works. It's just a giant phallic symbol, if you ask me, but it's working. That's awesome. All right. So so we are... We are on episode number five, everyone. How about that? Round of applause, everybody. Round of applause. So anyways, today we got an amazing guest. But before we jump into him, because, you know, he can wait. Uh, let me tell you about this, man. This this last week, and you guys know I went to Orlando, right? Visit my son, spent a few days with him, that little brat. Um, and this is one thing. I don't know if this happened to you guys. I, I'm pretty sure a lot of people are going to relate to this. Is you travel somewhere, right? Like, like, for example, this happened to me. I traveled to Puerto Rico, right? I show up there and it's like 20 friends. Well, actually, I don't have that many friends. Uh, be, let's be realistic about two friends. Uh, so, so I traveled there and uh, everybody goes, hey, come and see me. Hey, come to my house. Hey, let's have dinner. Hey, let's do this. I'm like, dude, I'm one person. One. I just booked a freaking airplane ticket to come here and... You guys want me to visit all of you, and I got shit I got to do. How about I'll tell you where I'm at, and you guys show up if you want to say hi. That happened to you guys? No, never happened. I don't have that many followers that like me. <laughs> no, but I'm talking about just friends, just people that you know, family members or whatever. So I get to Orlando, and of course, you know, people start sending me messages. Hey, are you in Orlando? I'm like, yes. Hey, come and see me. I'm like, motherfucker, you come see me. Right. I'll tell you where I'm staying and I'll tell you where, when I'm going to be at the hotel, at the bar, hanging out or at the pool, hanging out with my kid. If you want to come and see me, you come see me. So I'm driving on the way back, you know, that long eight, eight hours drive back to Fayetteville. Uh, I'm driving and I started receiving hate messages, man. It's like, oh, that's fucked up. You're not a real friend. You didn't come and uh... see me now. Oh, check it out, bro. One person in particular, and you know who you are. I'm talking directly to you. I'm going to throw your name in there, but you know who you are. So, oh, oh yeah. Sends me a message. It says, come and see me in my house. Please come and see me. Like, dude, uh, 
I got shit I got to do with my kids. So if you want to come and have breakfast with us, lunch or dinner or whatever, like that's cool. So he sends me a message says, well, this is my address. Now that's Orlando. And his address was like one hour south of Orlando. Right. So I go like, so you're going to make me drive one hour south. And there's no, hey, hi, how are you doing? I'll see you later. That never happens. So you at least going to spend an hour with that person, right? So that's another hour, another hour driving back. That's three hours I just wasted of only four days I got, right? So I tell him, well, no. He's like, well, on the way out before you leave, how about you stop by? I'm like, dude, you're going to make me drive one hour south, one more hour with you, one hour north so I can start my eight hours drive back up. That's 11 freaking hours. How about you drive one hour to come and see me? What's easier? So, um, dude, I can, I can totally relate because when I was married back in the day and had kids. Sorry about that. Yeah, right. And, and, and had kids. We would go up to her family's neck of the woods and we would drive three hours. So I'm getting my Friday off, jumping in the car with my kids and, and her and driving up to where her family was. And she, has, she had a big family. And I don't know if they're gone or not, whatever. So let's, let's, you know. She would be like, okay, we have to go to this person's house, this person's house, this person's house, this person's house. And I'm thinking, okay, well, they're all close to together, right? She's like, no, no. And I looked at the map and I'm like, holy crap, I'm going to spend my whole weekend driving around to these 50 random people that I barely know. And you apparently don't talk to that much. And we're going to spend 20 minutes at each location and drive around. So now my trip that's going to cost me $100 in gas is going to cost me $500 in gas. I'm going to be exhausted and I have to go back to work on Monday. No, no. How about we do this? And oh, goodness, guys. You know when you pitch a bad idea to your partner and they look at you like you are the most <laughs> insane, disgusting, horrible person on the planet? I love that look. I used to get, yeah, I used to get that look a lot. But I said, hey, we're coming up to see them. They're all within that, like you said, that hour. Buddy can drive that one hour. What's, what's, what's stopping them, you know? And I said, why don't they all show up at so-and-so's house? Because they have a big house and there's room for everybody. Oh, they can't do that. Well, why not? They don't get along. Really? So they can't put their differences aside just for the weekend so they can see the kids that they say, they, you know, the nephews and whatever that they say they love and everything. Oh, no. No, you're a bad man. You cannot. No. I was like... So anyways, I went down a rabbit hole in that one. Yeah, it's crazy. That so you guys cracked me up. I, I just don't tell anybody I'm going anywhere. So I hit the people that I get ready to see. <laughs> and I don't get that annoying response that you didn't come visit me. I just don't announce it. But Well, I've learned to do that. Now that I've been rolling with you a bit, Mike, I've like, you know what? I'm just going to show up because there's people that didn't know I was in Florida last weekend with you. Right. And they still don't know. And I'm okay with that. And you know what? I do that too. Like I don't tell people I'm going to Florida until I'm there. You know, like when I post something with my son or I go to Puerto Rico, I, I don't never tell people I'm going there in advance. But once I show up, you know, is I am one person. There's like 20 of you. How about you guys come and say hi to me for about 10, 15 minutes, continue your way. That's if you really want to say hi. If not, I, I thought that's etiquette. You know, if you're in town visiting and someone will see, they come see you versus it's more inconvenient for you to make all these plans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, I have driven to rally hour and a half from here when somebody tells me, hey, listen, uh, I just flew in, but I'll be in Raleigh for like one day. Uh, I don't, and sometimes they tell me, hey, listen, I'm in a conference or a business meeting. Uh, but after I get done with the workday, we can have dinner and a drink. And then, bro, I got to go to bed because I fly early in the morning. I'm like, cool, let's do it. I drive over there. Maybe we just have dinner, spend an hour and a half bullshit, and then I drive back home. But I don't want to make him drive all the way. Oh, no, you come to me. Because first of all, 
he's they're probably gonna tell me fuck you jp that, that ain't happening but 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 it's just wrong and stop sending us hate mail because we didn't show up for your grand moment to showcase whatever it was that you wanted to show us anyways i digress oh look at look at my house like i had never seen a living room and a freaking backyard <laughs> check it out we got indoor plumbing no shit guess what we got that in canada too you know <laughs> now if you tell me you're living it just came in last year but if you tell me you're living in a teepee or or in a trailer home kind of like mike over there then, then i'll go and see it <laughs> trailer park man. right it, like if you if you live in Disneyland and I'm just an hour up the road, okay, maybe maybe I'll make the the, the trip. But all right, so be, before we keep hating on the people that don't want to visit us when we're in town, this isn't hate. This is education. Uh, it's education. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, how about you guys tell me about your amazing weekend you two have together, snuggling with woobies and stuff oh, in buddy. Mike's house. Mike, you want to start? Uh, that was only one night. JP like preferred to snuggle with the Grizzly Targets guys. Yeah, it was, uh, no, it was, it was no, good. It was, actually, it was an interesting week. I mean, okay, I'll let you go ahead, uh, Nate, and I'll, I'll wrap it up with mine. We <laughs> started out, I, I showed up to the airport. I, that, there's some, there's some delivery to that one, wasn't there? So, uh, Friday, I got to, uh, Florida, to Pensacola, and, uh, it was awesome because as soon as I walked out of the airport, I was just like, oh, I loved it. Mike shows up in his sweet little ride, which, you know, Looks pretty cool with little tinted windows and everything. Shows up. I jump in there. I feel like a baller. I'm like, I'm in Florida. I'm in tinted windows. This is like a rap video. Yeah. <laughs> and then we uh, proceeded to go out to um, the range that we we're at, Southern Tactical, and link up with uh, with our friends at Grizzly Targets and uh, the guys and uh, Nate from Burley Man. And Mike, what was your experience with me? Because, you know, I know how I am with myself, but... I mean, I mean, I mean, the pickup was pretty smooth. Your flight got in like 30 minutes early, but yeah, actually time you're, you being delayed like three hours helped me out. Uh, cause I can only spend a few hours away from the house. The, uh, the dogs were, can't be kindled up for too much, too long. But anyways, yeah, I picked you up. I mean, we busted out to Southern Tactical and did link up with, uh, some of our friends, uh, did a quick tour. I wouldn't say quick tour, but it was a long tour of Southern Tactical and, uh, yeah, I had to I had to jet out of there though. I had to go release the uh, the hounds from the kennels and get them fed. So it was really cool because when Mike and I showed up, we walked in, met the owner, uh, met the range master, and you know how how it goes. We're like, oh, you guys, uh, you guys army. And we're like, uh, maybe. And then you know after that, it was just swimmingly through that. Got the grand tour, like Mike said, and then the event that we were at, it was just great. Lots of good people. But being in Mike's neck of the woods was really cool for me. Didn't actually spend time with Mike outside of all the other projects and just being hanging out together and, and chilling was really cool. And we got to meet some great people um, and get some good conversations in. Like there was two two veteran owned companies that we, we got to actually do some filming with for the YouTube channel um, that uh, totally took us by surprise. Um, we give a shout out to Jeff at uh, Lima Charlie and... Uh, uh, you've got it written down. The other guy there with the uh, the bags and stuff, the uh, plate carriers, eh, Mike? Oh shoot, I got that written down somewhere. Well, we we actually we're pretending we don't have it written down, but we do because that one's actually a surprise because of the way his product is. It's very covert, so a little little innuendo there. But yeah, no, it was great getting to do that, and uh, we we kind of missed not having you there, JP, because when we were doing the conversations with these companies, it was like, oh man, isn't it nice that we can actually speak in English? 
<laughs> oh snap! Oh snap! Were you guys? You, you know, you. Oh, I, I could have been that. there and just just put the <laughs> subtitles in Spanish so you can reach a wider audience. I'm just saying. No, it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, no, getting to talk to Lima Charlie was was a very good uh, uh, moment for for Mike and I because this this young Marine and the passion he's got for his project. Like, I don't want to spoil it because we we were gonna have him on the, the show later on. And the video that we shot with him, I really want everybody to go check it out when we get it on the YouTube this week. But I don't know, like, Mike, that was, that was for me, that was like one of the topping moments of the, the weekend, making the connection. Well, I, I just liked it because, you know, when we first met him, I like, we were sitting on a bench across from his, you know, right next to his booth. And I turned around and looked at the dude and said, because the guy's in a wheelchair, he was in a motorcycle accident. And so I just looked at him and said, you're just in the wheelchair for the sympathy boat, right? And I don't know if he knew what, how to handle that, but he started laughing and I think it hit it off great after that. Yeah, he, he like we actually did some, <laughs> some back and forth banter, and I think Mike had to actually tell somebody, "Hey, it's okay. They're they're not actually fighting," <laughs> because it was it was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, and then the project that they have, uh, yeah. Anyways, I don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole, but JP, it was great. And then uh, Mike and I actually watched a movie together. Uh, we snuggled up on the couch you, and we, you know, we did some on, we did some Netflix and chill. Oh, what was the movie? So El Camino. I did. I drooled all over him. Like it was bad. No, you fell. You fell asleep on the couch. You didn't fall asleep on me. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. I think the the story's better my way. <laughs> no, it was, it was pretty good, man. It was it was good. It was a good weekend. Yeah, I did. I I I, I racked out hard on the couch there after midnight. <laughs> yeah, and then like I got the trailer of Mike's whole, you know. Uh, That's good. <clears throat> Yeah, his trailer park that dude. I I put my trailer there in a heartbeat, that's for sure. So anyways, yeah, JP, it was magical. You missed out, but I know next time it's gonna be the three of us there and it's gonna be even more magical. Yeah. Oh, that's so pretty. And oh, don't worry, we'll make the Spanish we have to wax version. Our asses for that. I'll say mi amor. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that was our weekend. Now now let's focus on our amazing guests that we got today. You said right? amazing. You guys know who we got? Guys, you guys know? Uh, well, yo, he might be, I don't know. So today we got Mark Briggs. He's the brute force director of law enforcement. Uh, he's a master trainer, tactical athlete, and, and I don't know about tactical because we've seen him shoot before, but anyways, retired police, yeah. uh, SWAT officer and an army veteran. So basically he, he's done, he's done a little bit of everything. Uh, I met Mark actually, uh, in the tactical games in Meridian, Mississippi, uh, February, I believe it was. And, um, then, uh, oh, of course, he have shown up in, in other uh, tactical games as well. And then we stay in touch just talking about other bullshit that we talk about. But uh, Mark is, is, is a great guy and he brings a different perspective into the podcast because so far we've been talking about military, military, military. And now we would like to bring the perspective of also that law enforcement experience and transition within law enforcement, which a lot of people don't understand that they still go through a difficult time, you know and and transition and what when when we talk about veterans it's not just military veterans it's law enforcement it's whatever your job was in, as a first responder you're still a veteran of that job or or that career that you retire from so yeah you're a veteran of service yeah correct of serving others correct uh so anyways uh mark are you there i'm here man thanks for having me on the call i appreciate all it all right mark so mark how you doing today brother 
I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Hey, man, I really I'm appreciate be you being in the uh, in the show. And I know we talked about this a while back uh, about getting you in the show and talk about different perspectives. So I'm really happy you're here. Uh, and luckily, we all know you. So mm -hmm. so feel comfortable to make fun of us sure. since you know us. Uh, I, I've been biting my lip for a while now. Oh no, 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 yeah, yeah. No, it was not your time, man. You you, you were mute. You, no, you were wasn't. supposed to be muted. That's it. Uh, so, right. <laughs> so anyways, uh, I want to make sure everybody knows that Mark is turning the big 50 on Halloween. What's up? But, but you, you look, if you look at him, you wouldn't think he's 50. Not a boy. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at these Great notes story. and these, uh, Daisy put down for like graduating high school and stuff. And holy no, Mark, I was 65. I know, 65, 70, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jesus was one of my classmates, if you guys didn't know. He's, oh my he's still keeping touch every now and again. Hey, Mark, so what, what are you going to dress up like uh, on, a, on Halloween, like your, your birth suit, naked? Yeah, yeah, you know what? No, uh, actually, this year, I think I'm going to be Pennywise the Clown if my, uh, if my mask makes it from China in time. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Be like Pennywise on steroids and scare all the small neighborhood children and they'll never come back to my house. Trick or treat again. It's very classy. That's a technique. Very classy. That's right. That's right. And then I keep that candy for myself, you know. Anyways. Like I need Mark, it. Mark, let's talk yeah. about you a little bit. Uh, tell us about you. Uh, where, 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 where did you grow up? Uh, you know, brothers, sisters, sure. old, you know. Yeah, I I um I grew up in Massachusetts actually, so I'm I'm a masshole. I live in Illinois now. I've been here since 1990. Um, I have one older brother who was uh, in the Navy. He's getting ready to retire next year, and actually lives down in Florida as well. Um, let's see. Uh, graduated high school in 1987. Went to a probably a medium sized school. I kind of decided around the age of four that I wanted to either be a soldier or a police officer. And I was fortunate enough to be able to do both of those things. So nice. Um, like a lot of teenagers, you know, growing up, I thought my dad was the biggest asshole on the planet. And uh, I joined the army reserves at 17. And it took about a week at boot camp to realize that I was actually the asshole, which kind of changed my perspective. <laughs> and, um, you know, I went, I went through the training and, uh, and really kind of got organized. I was, I was not a very good student in school. And I think that was in large part due to the fact that uh, I hadn't found what I was interested in. I hadn't found my niche. And from the time I started in the Army and, and forward in life, I tended to excel at everything that I did because it was really doing things that I was interested in. So it made all that all that difference. I did three years in the Reserve. I uh, moved to Illinois in 1990 about... Uh, maybe three weeks after I moved, I realized that my old unit uh, had just got their road to war orders to go to Iraq for the first war. I tried to come out of the inactive ready reserve to relink with that unit, uh, only to be sent to the illustrious Fort Detrick, Maryland, where I backed up Department of Defense Police for 46 days, got stood down on those orders because the war was over, sent back home. <laughs> uh, started working as a police officer part-time in 1991. And here in Illinois, back in that time, um, you didn't have like a part-time academy. My my training, I, I started off in a town of about 900 people and my training was literally going on five or six ride-alongs. I showed up for my first shift 
chief threw me his keys and said, you've got my phone number if you have any problems. <laughs> Good luck. Um, so I did that for, for a few years and then I moved into full-time law enforcement. Um, and I worked at a couple different places along the way. I spent most of my career in patrol. I uh, did a couple years in undercover narcotics and then uh, I did eight years in SWAT uh, and all the agencies that I was in, uh, not like there was a ton of them, but um, SWAT was a dual purpose. So it was not a full-time team. It was a part-time team. So I did that eight years total and uh, the rest of the time in patrol. So cool. it was a pretty, pretty, uh, pretty fun career. Uh, I worked, finished my career out the last eight years in a medium sized city, about 130,000. So we had everything that the bigger cities had just on a little bit smaller scale. And, um, I actually went back in the national guard for two years after a 15 year separation of service. One of the guys I was on SWAT with said, Hey, our unit's getting ready to go back to Iraq. I'd love to have you as my gunner. I signed up for a year. We got stood down on that. Then they said, Hey, I think we're going to go to Afghanistan. So I signed up for a second year and we got stood down on that. And, uh, about that time things started to click with me in the fitness industry and I decided it was time to get out of that. And I started part-time in fitness, did that for a couple of years, parlayed that into a salary that was making uh, about $40,000 a year more than I was as an 18-year cop. And uh, I decided that uh, after getting a couple gunfights and a couple of lawsuits after those, it was it was time to hang up the uh, the badge and go into fitness full-time. So let, let's go back to... to uh... <clears throat> To your college, so so you did like a lot of us did, right? You you skipped college, except for Nate. I Nate did. actually skipped high school altogether. <laughs> yes, I did. I totally did. I got to grade ten and said, "Screw this." <laughs> he he's special. Ooh. Don't worry about it. But anyways, so you skipped college once. Uh, and I I did two years of college before I went in the army. So I graduated early from high school. But mm -hmm. uh, so. So most of us just decided, you know what, if I'm going to do this, let me go and do it. Why waste time in college when I know I'm just going to, you know, go in the army anyways. So, right. so you did that. That was, and that's pretty cool. And uh, now while, while you were in the army, right. Even though that you mm -hmm. were in the research for, for, uh, three, uh, what is it? What was it? Three years, three years, three years three. before yep. you later on joined the police force. Now, What right. was it a big difference being, you know, the, the military style and the law enforcement style? Did you see a lot of difference in between those two? Well, you know, back at, we're talking back in the 90s when I started, early 90s, and it, it was very similar. That was back when the police could be the police and we didn't have the touchy-feely horse shit that's going on in our country now. Um, I like it. So, no, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't drastically different. I had the discipline. Fortunately, I was an MP when I did that because it was along the lines of what I wanted to get into. And, you know, I took classes, went to um, went to all kinds of different training seminars to to stay up on the law, law updates and all the associated things that went with that. Um, eventually, Illinois went to a part time police academy. But by, that, by the time that rolled around, uh, I was already full time in the job for a few years. Cool. But, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a pretty easy transition, I would say, from from that from the military to law enforcement okay cool and uh of course you know the the i don't know if it's life god or whatever you want to believe in didn't want you to go to work because it, it took you down from there three times right yeah it's i tried three times three up three down and and i really believe that i i think uh it, it just was not what i was destined to do um as much as i wanted to you know i, I was just 
telling my girlfriend today, it's kind of like uh, you train your whole life for the big game, like you're going to play football and you end up sitting on the bench through through your entire career and you never get a chance to play. And I don't mean to I don't mean to minimize that, but you always you kind of want to test your metal after you put all that time in training, right? Exactly. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, so for me, you know, my metal was tested on the law enforcement side. I had I was in two gunfights, uh, ten months apart, um, and it's you know we, you talk about job stresses and that type of thing. The the incidents themselves had a minimal impact on me because they were both good shoots. It was it was what needed to happen. Um, it was the it was the media and the fallout from what the media wanted to report instead of getting their facts straight that was far more stressful than the incidents themselves. And just kind of uh, kind of the mentality of society. I, I tended to work most of my career in the financially depressed region of the city, which some would call the ghetto. But I actually received a letter of reprimand for calling them <laughs> ghetto once. So, um, so I had to I had to coin that term. Guess what? Um, you can call you know, it a ghetto now. These are podcasts. You can do whatever you want. I can. I can. But you know, it's it's one of those things. We were we were chasing a legit bad guy. He was shooting at us during a pursuit. Said he was going to go to a neighborhood, kill people. Ended up doing a home invasion. We ended up shooting it out with him with his people in the house. And uh, you know, that night the people are calling us heroes and hugging us. And uh, the next day, when they're in front of a camera for the media, they say that we ransacked their house, stole their PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, because that's the first thing you're thinking about while you're going through a gunfight: PlayStation, 50 inch TV screen. There, there's the jewelry. Perfect. It's just ridiculous bullshit, you know, and it's just, I, I, it, 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 yeah, it, it made me click, you know, <laughs> it's the, yeah, yeah, that custom jewelry that you get in the ghetto, it's fucking high end shit. Um, but you know, it was one of those things that, and again, that was my second one in 10 months and just the, just the general attitude and the, the treatment from the media, I was kind of like, why am I putting my life on the line for people that really genuinely don't give a shit about us? You know, it's, it's, you go to calls and you don't care who you're going there to help. You're going there to help. And, uh, we'll just, we'll just, we'll just leave it at that for, uh, for that portion of it. But that was, you know, then you get, then you get sued and you have to have time to go through the indemnification process for that. And I quite honestly didn't trust the city to do the right thing. If I had left, I waited until my second lawsuit was cleared. And at that time, you know, the other lovely side of it was my dad was dying of cancer. So I was out in Massachusetts, actually sitting in his uh, hospital room, walked out in the hallway, called my lieutenant home and said, yeah, I'm done. I'll be back to clean out my locker at some point. Don't know when, but uh, a couple months later, I was back and and uh, I ended up retiring from the job. So um, there was a lot of good times in there, too. I mean, it wasn't just it wasn't just the negativity of uh, things or the societal shift. It was. It was just time to move forward with what I was I have it. At, at that time really truly interested in, which was fitness. And oh, yeah. I had some very good uh, mentors in the fitness industry. You guys have probably heard of P90X. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I got a Tony Gordon and I are very, we're, Mike, we're very good friends. Mike, I, I'm in um, P90X Plus, P90X2, okay, P90X3, who, who said, 22. Who said I haven't heard from P90X? Mike? Well, Mike, you, you got to do fitness to to be able to hear about it. All right, keep going. Oh, well, hold on, hold on. I got to come in on this one. JP said that to you, Mike. Just because you're doing, you've done three CrossFit, you know, Brent Watt. Yeah, <laughs> that was brave. <laughs> dude, dude, dude. Uh, I had to throw something in there to make a humor, you know? <laughs> okay. Three classes. <laughs> no, in, in, 
in two years. You're probably ready for your CF3 now then. <laughs> Shit, no, I'm just kidding. Crossfitters that listen, I love CrossFit. I love anything fitness, man. If it's if it's something that's good for you that you're passionate about and it makes you a better, stronger person, then go for it. I don't I don't care what the system is, but um, you know, I had I had Tony Horton as a as a mentor, which was amazing. I got to do a lot of cool things with with him and with Beachbody. Traveled the globe uh, doing Armed Forces Entertainment tours, um, and it, and it was awesome. And he really taught me what it was like to be a, a professional trainer. And, and the biggest thing for me was was helping people. You know, it was, I was, I became a cop because I wanted to help people. And then I transitioned into fitness because I still wanted to help people. The coolest <laughs> fucking thing with fitness though, was, you know, I'd show up and people would wave at me with all of their fingers extended, which I was like, Hey, this is kind of neat. People are actually glad to see me show up and, you know, they put the work in and, um, but even, even then through the years, through coaching and fitness and being an MMA strength and conditioning coach, there was just something missing. And I had really. I, I was missing the military community. I was missing the uh, law enforcement community. And then I came up with the idea of doing elevated heart rate shooting because when I would talk to my buddies that were still cops, a, a lot of the shit they were doing was static training, which I'm sure you guys on the call know when you're when you're in a gunfight, you go from a low resting heart rate up into the 170s, 180s, you get tunnel vision, your fine motor skills dissipate. And that's how people needed to be training, in my opinion. So. I ended up approaching brute force. I was a customer at the time. I said, Hey, would you guys be interested in sponsoring me to do this type of training? I'll use your gear. I'll fly your flags at the range. Um, I had done a little bit of test, uh, testing with it at different ranges and got really good feedback. And they said, yeah, man, you know, we're interested. Let's, let's see what we can figure out. And a few days later, they came back and said, how would you like to come on as our master trainer for, for law enforcement? Because we like what you're doing. We like the idea we've got the gear and kind of from there it was born in the last two years I've been traveling all over the country doing these trainings for well they, they needed to bring some sexiness in into their company too you know yeah you should see me in some silkies man oh, I, mean, I, I know you haven't had the opportunity <laughs> I may bring them I may bring them to Florida I may bring them to Florida. I seen you, you, I know, seen you in silkies in your uh, in your Instagram skies out yeah, thighs watch out. Them 10 times it's first. not the same you have to experience it now <laughs> guys you didn't know that <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm wearing mine right now. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hey, uh, so, uh, Mark, real quick, uh, do you, yeah. uh, when you were a, a patrol officer or SWAT, just, just give me one of <laughs> the most funny stories that you can tell me. Something weird that you saw in one of the calls or, or one of the breach yeah. or anything like that. I can give you one of each. I'll give you a patrol story first and then a SWAT story. <laughs> so, right. we're, um, we're looking for this guy on a city warrant one night and it's probably, you know, it's, it was June 23rd of 2007. And we're, we're going to this, uh, the house is where he's known to known to frequent. And we walk up in this yard and it's, it's maybe 74 degrees. So it's, it's just a little bit of chill. I mean, you guys in Florida would probably have parkas on, but for those in Illinois, that's, that's not too bad. And we go walking up in the front yard and I stopped in my tracks cause I looked down and there's a big six or seven foot snake. <laughs> coiled up in the front yard i'm like shit like it looks like a boa i'm thinking why do we have a boa here in illinois i mean that's not something that's natural it must have got out of somebody's house so the guys that were going with me on this warrant hunt one of the guys is like well, shit so we start picking up little pebbles like they had this uh kind of manicured section in front of the house and we're picking up these little white stones and throwing it at the snake trying to get it to move or something so we can get to the door 
and it doesn't move. So one of the guys is like, hey, I'm, I look, my house is a few blocks from here. I'll go get my BB gun and I'll shoot around it or I'll shoot it. We'll see what happens. And I'm like, all right. So we're standing there. The snake's not moving. He leaves, comes back a couple minutes later. He starts popping this thing with BBs. And I'm like, shit, I'm, you're missing, dude. You're, it's not doing anything. He's like, I'm sure I hit the damn thing. I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. I snap out my expandable baton and I'm like, I'm going to pin its head and I'm going to grab that son of a bitch. So I run up, I slam the expandable in the back of its neck and I hear, (laughs) and it was a, and it was a blow up snake. So then we had to break out the cameras with the, with the captured snake. And, um, ironically, uh, three minutes later, we get a call for an armed subject, and that was my first gunfight. I dropped a guy with an M4 about five minutes later. Oh, shit. Inflatable so snakes the real stuff. He You're ready for anything, anything that comes your way. <laughs> you would think. You would think. But, uh, yeah, so that's... Yeah. He's like, hey, guys, that's just this is the most dangerous snake in the planet. I'm going to touch it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to grab this one. And, you know, but that's just kind of how law enforcement was. One of the best descriptions I've ever heard is extended periods of boredom interspersed with sheer moments of terror. And that's, that's really how the job was. Um, but now I'll get on to the funny SWAT story. So this one you might appreciate a little bit more. We had a, we had a suicidal subject that had barricaded himself in a house. He's not coming out. Fuck you guys. You're going to have to come and get me. So we shut the power off because he, apparently he didn't have nods. Um, get into the house and this guy's still got the knife and he's kind of looking around, doesn't realize that SWAT's in the house. He ends up getting smacked about three times with some 40 Mike Mike less lethal rounds. <clears throat> uh, drops to his belly. He thought he got hit with a, with a shotgun. He gets cuffed up, and he's uh, <laughs> he keeps yelling, I win, you lose, I'm the big winner, you're the big loser. And uh, about that time, we start smelling this odor that's very familiar. <clears throat> so we look at him, and we said, yeah, you know what? If filling your pants with shit makes you the winner, then you're definitely the big winner. <laughs> He's toiled himself pretty heavily. Oh, nasty! Uh, yeah, that that kind of reminds me. And then me. you take him out and put him in the take him and put him in the rookie. That car. kind of reminds me. Oh, in the rookie! Oh, damn it! Yeah, they're just dropping. <laughs> that yeah. kind of reminds me. There, uh, uh, Mike, uh, Afghanistan. You're 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 clearing a structure, and you go in, and you happen to walk in the room that is not a bathroom; it's just a room that they use as a bathroom, <laughs> and you walk all over shit. <laughs> Well, I've been I've been uh, heloed in, and we thought it was solid ground, and it ended up being like one of those poo fields, farm fields. You want you want you want to talk about for me neck deep and poo, but everybody else <laughs> wasted. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, they didn't come after uh, me. Yeah. And that, that's when you know the assault is gonna get crazy because you're pissed. You're already pissed. <laughs> Holy shit! But the thing is, at least, at least from us, uh, if they had dogs, uh, you're going to blend in with the sensor. So <laughs> oh my god! Maybe a little more natural. Yeah. Perfect. Hey, so um, damn. So Mark, so you finished your your yeah. career in law enforcement, right? And then after that, you know, when yep. when you started doing your coaching, your conditioning, and and you know, eventually getting into uh, brute force, was it was for you a hard transition moving from? Okay, I'm structured law enforcement, and then having to start dealing with because I mean, law as law enforcement, you dealt with a lot of civilians, but now you're straight up, completely out of uniform, dealing with mm-hmm. the civilian world, different attitude, different mentality. Uh, uh, how did you 
how did you adjust to that or, or did you have to adjust at all? Yeah, I, d I definitely had to adjust. It was, um, I started having some issues with post-traumatic stress a few years after I was out of the job. Like I didn't, I didn't realize what I was dealing with initially. I mean, I kind of ended up recognizing the signs and, uh, you know, my, my second gunfight was on June 23rd and I made the mistake of going back to work on July 2nd. Um, you know, so the turning corners and there's fireworks and you're sitting in a, in a car and you break into a flop sweat and your heart's racing and you realize it's a physiological response, but there's nothing you can do about it. And after getting into the civilian side of things, um, there were some things that crept out and, uh, it, it's one of those things, you know, nobody wants to be, it, a lot of people think of it as a weakness because you have post-traumatic stress and you don't want to talk about it and you don't want to do anything about it. You just, you, I'm just going to gut through this and, and move forward, you know, but it starts affecting your sleep and you start drinking. And, uh, for me, the only thing I found that worked is a thing called EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization reprocessing, which sounded like the hokiest bullshit I had ever heard of until I sat down and did it. And, Lo and behold, it worked. But um, yeah, I was going to ask you, what kind of Mickey no, Mouse shit is that? <laughs> yeah, so basically, they, 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 you, they, you follow the person's finger. So they'll, they'll have you talk about an incident, and they'll get up to the point. So they're kind of watching your reaction. Apparently, your pupils, your pupils will dilate, your respirations increase, and then they'll stop you there. So they kind of have you picture what's a, a, a place that gives you pleasure in life first. So they have that groundwork. They'll get to that point where you start to come up, and then they'll stop you. And then they'll say, okay, now think about the place that you really like and you're happy in. And then you, they literally move their fingers horizontally back and forth and your eyes are tracking their fingers. And all of a sudden your heart rate's coming down and you're starting to relax. And I'm, the first time I did it, you know, I went in and I talked to the guy and I said, I'm going to be honest with you. I think this is total bullshit and it's a waste of my fucking time. But I'm to the point where I've talked to different counselors and they say, you know, well, read this book and read this book. And it really doesn't do anything. It's, it's great education, but it's not helping the problem. So, you know, depending on what you have and what you're dealing with and how many you have, I, I ended up having a list of things that I didn't realize until I sat down and started thinking about things that were bothering me that I had seen on the job. You know, just yeah. you see the worst of people and you see the best of people as a cop and much like in the military. Um, I've seen some horrific things that people have done to each other. And some of those stick with you, you know, especially the stuff involving kids in my career that stuck with me. And for a long time, I used exercise um, and the job. I mean, just staying focused on the job and helping people and, you know, the big tough persona that you have. And once I got into the civilian side of things and started doing that and these problems started cropping up, you know, I made the mistakes like a lot of people did. I started drinking. I started drinking a lot of whiskey. Oh, welcome and, to the club. Uh, yeah. But I mean, I, I was doing probably a handle a week. <laughs> uh, it was a lot of whiskey. And I realized that. I'm into fitness. I'm into helping people with this and I need to get this shit under control. So I literally, you know, I talked to different people and got recommendations. And until I found EMDR, that was literally the only thing that worked for me. Um, so I went through that and feel better doing better, but it was, it was definitely a, a, a bit of a transition. I, you know, military law enforcement, first responders, we're mission oriented. So we have to have something that we can focus on to do. And when we sit stagnant or, we're doing something that is just kind of a meaningless medial task. At least for me, it, it, it just drives me crazy. I have to be doing something. I have to be focused. So when, when I finally, you know, it was, it was great what I was doing with Beachbody and the coaching and, 
but once I got back into the community through brute force, it was like I'm reconnected with what I really love. And that's the community. Yeah, it's kind of like what um, happened to Mike with the tactical games, right, Mike? Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Was, community was all, was what it was all about. Mm -hmm. And it's the same. It's the same for me. You know, just being around other people that are like minded and driven and get your jokes. And you know, um, I was I was watching the 2008 Rambo with my girlfriend the other night. And he's lighting these dudes up with a 50 and his body parts flying everywhere. And I'm sitting there laughing my ass off. <laughs> and she looks at me like, you're a sick fuck. You know? And I'm like, oh, it's just funny. Yeah. But when you're around other people that are like that, that get it, you, you just, you feel normal, right? You're, you're part of the, you're, you're in your community. You're part of your tribe. And that's, you're safe. And that's a big part of what it is. Like the tactical games, that's a great environment for that. That's that's why, you know, I had to withdraw as a competitor for Florida after jacking my back up. And by, on all honesty, that was my own fault. I jacked my back up in, in uh, North Carolina. I had the lumbar issue going into it. I've got bad knees, you know, things, things that uh, come from the law enforcement uh, side of things with years of abuse of the body and fights and, you know, the body's just broken down. But, um, that's why I'm going as a volunteer for, for Florida, because I just love being in the community and being part of that. So if I can give back in some way, that's why I'm doing that. That's awesome, man. But, hey, by the way, I really appreciate you uh, sharing with us your your issues with the PTS, because there's a big stigma out there. And, and Nate touched on this uh, a few podcasts back, where a lot of people think that PTS is something that is owned by the military and military only. And, and that's not the case. And uh, now no. you sharing that experience, hopefully a lot of our listeners start, you know, start realizing that this goes beyond what the military does. PTS is not owned by the military. It's not something that we own. So, uh, no. and uh, Mark, uh, while, while you were dealing with those issues, PTS now, or, or, or even after you, you got better. Do, mm -hmm. do you have any friends in law enforcement that, that dealt with those and then ended up committing suicide oh, yeah. afterwards? Yeah, I haven't, I have, um, I've had two friends commit suicide. I had one that was in law enforcement. I had another that was close and I intervened with him and got him in doing workouts on a regular basis, which here's the thing, man. It, it, fitness brings you a lot of things when you're dealing with depression if you can get in the gym and work out hard for 20, 25 minutes, your body produces norepinephrine, dopamine, and serotonin, which are feel-good drugs. Some people get it by banging a vein with a needle, others by drinking alcohol or taking other drugs, but you get that release. It's a natural high that makes you feel better, and it takes that shit away for at least a little bit of time, right? So I, I work with a lot of people. I've got a, a former coworker that was shot in the line of duty around the same time. She got shot two weeks before my last gunfight. Uh, three of them got shot in an ambush, three officers. Um, and so they bring this stuff with them, you know, and it's it's military. The thing that I've noticed is whether it's military, firefighter, police officer, the results of post-traumatic stress are very much the same across the board where it's sleeping, they turn to alcohol, they're depressed, the mood swings, you know, it's, we're we're all alike. By the way, I'm glad you say post-traumatic stress and not disorder because it's not a fucking disorder. <laughs> it is it is the body's reaction to a negative stimulus that it experienced and it hasn't processed through. I've got a friend who two months ago, his house got struck by lightning. He happened to be adjusting his thermostat when it happened. 
he got shocked and it and it launched his thermostat into his chest. Oh snap! Like he got partially executed, and now when he has a thunderstorm, he starts to break into a sweat and his heart races. I'm like, dude, it's post traumatic stress. So the stimulus can be very different from one person to another, but the way the body reacts to it is very much the same. Um, so for the people listening, talk to somebody and get some help about it. it it's you can be the baddest motherfucker on the planet, and I don't care who you are. It's eventually going to get into your head, and it's going to fuck with you. And if you if you let it slide, it's going to consume you. So don't do that. Talk to other people that have dealt with it. Talk to people that are dealing with it, and find positive ways of overcoming it, so you can continue to move forward. Um, I train a lot of people that have post traumatic stress that are either former military, law enforcement, first responder, and I don't think anybody goes through a career in any of those where you don't carry some shit with you that that you've seen through the years. Um, the other big thing that happens. Uh, and there's more and more studies coming out on this, the chronic exposure to stress. So law enforcement, high stress job, military, high stress job, especially in the combat environment. They're having all kinds of adrenal burnout, low testosterone levels, and they're starting to build all this up and find more and more about this. And it's all kind of tying in together. So I think moving forward, I'm optimistic. Uh, I was down at McDill a few months ago training with the uh, some guys down there. And I, I was talking to a SOCOM surgeon that was telling me these results of this study that he's been doing personally with the, with the low T levels, you know, they got guys in their twenties that are on their fourth and fifth combat tours that have low T and it's, you know, it's unreal that it's happening at that level. Cause it doesn't usually happen to most members of society until their forties or fifties. So it, it's all connected. It's all a big circular connection. Thanks for sharing that, uh, Mark. Yeah, you bet. To to quantify what you're saying there, Mark, um, to, to to encourage people to get out there and get that help. You deserve a better life than what you're currently living when you're dealing with P PSD, uh, when you're dealing with the issue. Yeah. Uh, so you're dealing with something that is absolutely alien to a lot of people. Okay. But there mm -hmm. is people out there. I'm not speaking to you directly, Mark. I'm just, I'm saying to those that are listening right now because, yeah. even if just one person listening right now even if it's just that one one person that listens <laughs> to the show, you go out and get help. And the reason I say that is right. I, I did some outreach a while ago and this lady came in and was talking to me and where I was doing the, the talking. And she's like, I really want you to meet my father. And this is an older lady. So I'm like, okay. So she brings her dad in um, and we start talking and she's kind of answering for him at first because he's very closed off. She goes, yeah, he was in, uh, he was in the Korean war. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Nice to meet you, sir. And he was kind of not really talking to me until he realized that I was a senior NCO, that I'd been a sergeant. And he's like, well, I was a sergeant. I'm like, oh, cool. Okay. So now we had that, that little connection. The bond. And upon that little connection, it was, okay, well, you know, I was a medic in the Korean war and, you know, I, you know, I saw stuff we all did and, you know, we kind of downplayed it or whatever. And I said, dude, I can only, I can only imagine i can't i can't even fathom what you 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 had to deal with back then and he says look i'm 83 it's no big deal you know i've dealt with it this far and i said well are you dealing with it and he's like what do you mean and i said well sir with, with all due respect you're 83 what kind of life have you led since since korea and he goes uh i don't know i stay home i take care of my wife when she lets me you know do things in the house or whatever like it, he he lived a recluse hermit style lifestyle and i said well is is that what you were like before and he goes oh no i was this i was that and then we talked some more and i said well 
he, he goes, all oh, you young fellas and your, your fancy PTSD. I said, uh, mm-hmm. fancy PTSD. He goes, yeah, I was just shell shock for us. And you know, it was different back then. And I said, okay, well, listen, I don't know what your conditions are or what you, you feel or do. And I started listing off what I, you know, what my, uh, reactions were to the, the, the stress and everything. And I was like, yeah, I don't sleep. I have eating problems. You know, I'm not taking care of myself. My relationships are breaking down, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, holy crap. And you could see the lights going on in this old man's eyes. Uh, 83 years old. I was, was a 33 at the time. And we had this connection in, in 10 minutes later, we're both in tears of, of just talking about things. And where I'm going with this is that that moment he realized that mm-hmm. he wasn't alone and that he kind of had wasted, not wasted, but had suffered unnecessarily over the last 40 years, you know, or 50 years because like I said, he was 83 and we, uh, we came up with a uh, re- outreach program for him, sent him off to some clinics and stuff. Uh, a couple of weeks later, his wife or his wife, his uh, daughter came in with his wife and they were both like, holy crap. It's only been a couple months that he's been in treatment, but he's actually like singing and walking around the, uh, you know, not that he was like uh, loopy or whatever, but he was actually passionate about life. Yeah. Like he was enjoying life the way he should have, like he wasn't completely healed or nothing, but he had, he had that sense of being safe, that he had that support team. He had some some validation, I think is the word I'm actually trying to struggle here with. Validation that and what he was himself. suffering through mm-hmm. wasn't something that was only specific to him. Now, unfortunately, he, he passed away um, just last year. And when I ran into his daughter and I found out, she said he lived the best five years of the last 50 um, because he, 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 fo- he found the treatment. He found his community. He started getting active in the Legion like he... Uh, became self-aware again and he realized that he was not alone so if you're listening to this right now and you think that nobody understands what you're going through you're absolutely wrong there's people out there that understand that can appreciate what you're going through and you can feel that safe zone like i I know the guys talk about the community with tactical games and stuff but that community is out there somewhere for you and you need to make that choice to seek that help and jp mike you guys we, we were talking about this before the show We've been getting messages from people saying, you know, this show is is kind of showing that beacon. So here, right now, this is your light bulb moment as you listen. Mm-hmm. This is the moment you realize, okay, I am not alone. They've got Big Bad Mark on there, JP and Mike. These guys are telling me that I'm not alone. I didn't go through the same things as them, maybe uh, you're saying, but you're still validated that post-traumatic stress is a real thing and that you can go get treatment and find a better life for yourself so don't don't think differently sorry guys i went on a rant go ahead no 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 that was great man you you had me with tears here oh okay well it's just it it just it kills me and thinking back to that moment where this this man who had suffered so many years needlessly you know it's it's bad enough that our governments and stuff like that and i'm not anti-government i'm just saying that they're not doing a good job by us um with as veterans and first responders and and those, those people that run towards danger for so long aren't supported the way that they deserve. Not that I deserve, you know, some sort of ticker tape parade and, you know, you know, people throwing gold at my feet and stuff like that. It's just the simple dignity that, Hey, what you're suffering through is something we can treat without, a lot of it without drugs too. I'll, I'll, I'll add to that. 
Um, oh, absolutely. That's that was a big movement um, by the VA for a long time was to let's let's give you drugs for this and drugs for this that numbs you and makes you more of a zombie instead of coming. You know, it's it's kind of like the Western medicine approach. Oh, this hurts. Oh, absolutely. So let's give you a pill for that, and we're going to treat the symptom instead of treating the problem. Well, but and maybe some of that. Yeah, but they're giving you more problems too because you know you look at all the side exactly. effects of those drugs. It's kind of like uh That's what I'm saying. <laughs> what was that movie? Uh, uh, major pain is like. Oh, I broke. I broke this finger. Really? Well, let me break your arm so you forget about the pain in your finger. You know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you can't feel. I can't feel my legs, so he breaks his finger. So <laughs> do you still feel your legs? No, I can't feel my finger. That's what the VA yeah. does, man. Uh, and, yeah. Hey, Mark. Uh, for. Um, and moving back to you know you transitioning into the civilian world, what uh, how did uh, your military and law enforcement you know leadership and organizational skills help you now in what you do in your civilian job as a director of brute force? I think it directly helped. I mean the the military. If I hadn't joined the military, I probably would have ended up in jail at some point. I mean, <laughs> you talk honestly. You talk to most cops. You could have fallen. You could have fallen on either side of the fence at some point. But the military gave me the organization that I that I needed. I was always driven. I was just finding the 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 things that I wanted to do and that I liked to do. So my identity when I left being a police officer that was that was what I wanted to do since I was four years old. So that was it was kind of a bittersweet pill when I left. And I kind of lost my identity. So getting back into that and instructing officers and instructing military, you know, my mindset is I, I always want to pay it forward. If if I can teach somebody something that helps them in some way, keeps them alive, sends them home at the end of their shift instead of ending up in a box, then then I've then I've done what I needed to do. Um, I, I've always been kind of a Type A, um, but it, it's it's kind of cool having made the transition from doing the job to helping people on the job. And definitely my life experience that I can share with people again, you know, it, it's, I'm, I'm very open. I'm very blunt about things. I tend not to sugarcoat things. Um, so when I'm training on the range, I'm no bullshit. I mean, this is a way to do this. This is not necessarily the way. If anybody tells you there's only one way to do things, they're wrong. There's multiple ways of doing it, but I'm giving them more tools for the toolbox and, had I not experienced the things that I had in life, done the jobs I had, I don't know that I would have the credibility as a, even as a good trainer going out there and trying to talk to a group that hasn't experienced things, that hasn't been in a gunfight, that has, you know, this is why we do this training and this is why I think it's valid. You know what I mean? So it it blends directly into what I'm doing right now. That's amazing. That's cool. Because, you know, the, I try to tell people all the time when they when they retire, you know, especially young kids that not necessarily retire, they just, you know, do three years in the army and then they get out. And a lot of times they go like, oh, mm -hmm. well, yeah, I was in the army just three years. And I'm like, you got no idea the amount of information, training and skills that you acquire in those three years. Absolutely. You know, it, it's a matter of putting it into translating into the civilian world and be able to actually use them. But a lot of people ignore those. They don't understand that that a lot of people pay thousands and thousands of dollars to get leadership training, you know, uh, organizational yeah. training and things like that, where you get that as part of your training in the military. Oh, for sure. You know, when I, I was just, just going to say, when, when I went into Beachbody as a coach, I mean, the, I, I was able to start in that business when they just transitioned into a network marketing side for Beachbody. And, you know, I didn't go to, I didn't go to college, as you mentioned, clearly you have to have some type of education beyond high school, whether, and I, I constantly educate myself. I'm always listening to podcasts and other things, but 
I was able to parlay my beach body business literally into a multi-million dollar income. And that's not, hey, look at me, I'm I'm great because I'm not. I'm just somebody that believed in what I was doing. I had the drive to show up every day and I did it day in and day out without bitching and I put the fucking work in. And if you want to be successful in life, no matter what the job is, you've got to be able, you've got to be willing to put the work in and you have to have the organizational skills to be able to follow through. I am not the brightest bulb in the ceiling by any stretch of the imagination, but I will not quit once I take something on that I'm going to do. And I think it was, I owe it to the army for instilling that discipline in me. And I, Had it not been for that and the, the stars aligning, I never would end up where I am. Every now. time you say beach body, I can picture you like in a, in a, in a banana hammock at the beach playing volleyball or well, something. That's your own well, I'm always laying vulnerable, but you know, in fairness, now I look like I ate the guy that was in the beach body videos. There's no question about that. You know, I was, I was like, I'm six one and, and in my low, lightest weight in beach body, I was 163 pounds. I walk around about 250 right now. Um, you know, and I, I spent a lot of time, a lot of years where I was four or 5% body fat, which I know that's kind of the, the, the style you like JP. So <laughs> those days are gone. My friend. Oh, he's They're all gone. about dudes like that. You know, if you dropped to maybe like 2.5, you would totally sure. be his type. Sure. Oh, what can I say? Oil and lighting can only affect so much, JP. That's, <laughs> yeah. Hey, brother. And uh, be, be, before we, we finish talking about your amazing career, uh, you you said you have you have two daughters, right? And you're a grandfather. I do. I'm a grandfather times three. Yep. Holy snap. They're nice. 10, five, and the youngest will be one uh, next month. Yep. <laughs> So I've got one daughter that lives out in Arizona damn. and my, my oldest lives in Florida with her husband. So I'll actually get to see them when I'm down for the tactical games. Too. Oh, that's cool. But, hey, JP, isn't, isn't yeah. your son going to be with you too? Yeah. My son is going to be there with us at the tactical games. That's, that's going to be, Oh my God. That's going to be. Yep. Amazing. I don't know about amazing. It's going to give me a headache. Cause let me tell you, he's a handful. You guys <laughs> are going to be damn JP. Where, what do you do to this kid? Honestly, I think him and I are going to get into more trouble than anybody else. <laughs> I have a feeling. Oh, yeah. Well, you probably will. You probably will. JP, you've probably heard before that your kids pay you back tenfold for what you did to your parents as a kid, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, this is about 20. <laughs> so you got the bonus plan with this one. But that's good. Looking forward to meeting him. Hey, uh, hey Mark, and anything else that you want to add uh, about, you know, even if it's about Brute force, what, what you guys do, any training you guys do, anything like that, any point of contacts or anything like that before we move to uh, the next topic? Um, no, I, I think I'm good on it, man. If, if, if anybody has questions, you can reach me at mark.briggs uh, at bruteforcetraining.com. Um, whether it's any of the topics we talked about or you want help getting started, you want to bring our training into your department, but you don't know how, just uh, hit me up because I'm here to help. And that's what I'm passionate about. And uh, also his, his so, Instagram is beach body thong at, no, no, it's, it's actually the dot stronghold on Instagram, which, which is going to be, his handle is going to be uh, uh, here in the post podcast description and on Instagram when we post it. Uh, anyways, Hey guys, have you guys, did you guys see the news about what's going on in Mexico right now? You talk about the, uh, the fifties on the bongo trucks. <laughs> yes. I saw that in Iraq too. So, <laughs> Well, the, the, the interesting part about that, which, which, uh, I know Mark is going to appreciate this from the law enforcement side, right. Is 
the military was actually doing a presence patrol in, in Sinaloa in one of the, you know, cartel control areas, which is a bad idea to begin with, right? So so they're doing a presence uh-huh. patrol, mistake number one. Uh, but they went in force, though. I mean, they really had a lot of military. Like, the marina was all over the place. So, But they received fire from this one house. So they take fire. You know, they, they get into their positions. They, they return fire. They assault the house. And guess who was inside? The son of El Chapo. Nice. So they grab him. And as, as they're doing that, now the cartel brings twice the amount of, <laughs> of military that is on the ground and surrounds all of the troops. Oh, shit. And now they have 50 calls. I, I believe so far the count was 19, 19 uh, uh, military and law enforcement were killed. Uh, the cartel had 50 calls uh, on, on trucks mounted uh, thanks to, you know, the Fast and Furious weapons. Uh, so they have 50 mm-hmm. calls mounted. They just, you know, when, when you got the, <laughs> the military going like, check it out. I got a 240 mounted on my Humvee, badass that I am. And all of a sudden he... He takes fire back from a 50 column. He realized I'm not that much of a badass. Damn. So did they turn their, did they, did yes, they release so their prisoner? They, they went into a standoff <laughs> and basically the cartel says, you either release him or we'll kill all of you. And of course the embrace it. The Mexican authorities said that they were trying to avoid a war and more bloodbath in the streets. So they just release him. Sounds like he needs to meet a predator drone. Might fix that problem. This show does not condone any violence. It is unnecessary. <laughs> but if it is necessary, we're all about yeah, it. Bring a drone. Ain't that crazy, man? It's like, oh but yeah, that's we crazy. bring an entire uh, we bring an entire battalion of military. By the way, the cartel got twice as much surrounding us. Yeah, what are we gonna do now? <laughs> they brought two battalions. Wow. You know, I saw I saw a video not long ago of a raid on a cartel piece of property, and I really thought it was either SWAT or military that was launching this. It was actually a, a a competing cartel. These guys don't fuck around, man. They are they are putting in some time training and using legit tactics when they're taking targets. So I don't know where they're getting their funding or training from, but they're well, they're a legitimate. One problem. thing that a lot of people don't know about the cartels, you know, because they talk about especially, you know, let, let's just talk about Zetas. Just said Zetas. That's not to include all the other cartels that are around, but the Zetas. A lot of people don't realize mm-hmm. that. The Zetas, when they first started, there was only like 20-something of them. And there were all former, uh, majority of them were uh, Guatemalan Caibiles, which is their special operations over there. They're, they're kind of like their commandos. And a former Caibiles and also uh, Mexican uh, special forces. So that's that's how the the cart, uh, el cartel del golfo or the gulf cartel actually used them as their protection so when they when the setas first started wow. they were just kind of like personal protection for the cartel boss and uh well mm-hmm. and then they went out and took care of specific business right it's like this guy is causing me problem go and talk to them but when they went and did it they actually did the full mission planning up order and all that. They went and executed and came back. And then at that, at that point, the cartels realized, holy snap, 
these guys know what they're doing. They go in, they come out, nothing happens. Or when they when they kill somebody, they only kill that one person. These these guys are pretty badass. So they started using him as a force at that point. The problem was that with the years mm -hmm. and when the, the Gulf Cartel just went down and the Zetas decided to go on their own and some of the original members of the Zetas started getting killed, right? Then the new guys started coming in and all that and they kind of like, uh, well, they blew off the planning portion. Now we're kind of like doing our own thing. Uh, we don't plan anymore. We go and kill anyone. We're doing our own things. And now the, the original concept of what the Zetas used to be in the beginning is completely gone now. However... That they still recruiting yeah. uh, guys from special operations from all over the world. No. So that's how they get their training. So there's work wow. out there for everybody, no matter how far you make it in high school. <laughs> just saying, okay? So screw you guys. I uh, wonder. I wonder no, if I, cartels uh, go through PTS episodes as well. You know, I, I don't know. I'm just wondering. A bad skinning of what, someone what, or something. What kind of support system they had when it comes to family support and stuff like that? I no. bet you they get screwed around by the VA, just as, <laughs> or the uh, cartel A or whatever you want to call it. Um, I was watching this funny thing on Vet TV the other day. It was, "What if terrorists had stolen valor?" My goodness, oh my I damn near peed myself. <laughs> it was a bunch of terrorists. Like, no man, no man. I was like, damn, this is hilarious. Like. I'm I'm just plugging that because I, I know the guys at Vet TV and it's a good product. But man, it was guys. You need to check it out. I tears of laughter. Stolen right, Valor Terrorist Edition. I will Stolen Valor Terrorist Edition. But yeah, the cartel. Maybe we should do that one up as a skit, or maybe we'll offend them. I don't know. But pretending <laughs> we're cartel guys. Oh man, this program sucks. <laughs> All they give us is cocaine and you know money. No real treatment. No one really cares here. No one gives yeah. me a hug. <laughs> Hey, uh, hey! Um, by the way, for all of our listeners out there, we really appreciate your support. Uh, we were looking at the uh, iTunes and we got five star rating, guys. So far, of course, there's only like a few people that have rated us, but that's still better than nothing, right? Uh, five star rating, good comments on the podcast. And talking about that, I got a testimonial I want to read here that came from actually one of our guests. He was on episode two. Carlos we won't tell you who he is because we want to keep the mystery, but he was the guest on episode two. Just saying. Yeah. Carlos yeah. de Jesus. Uh, please <laughs> let, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let me know that the guys are doing a great job with the podcast. Just heard the last one with the GBF. That's the Greenberry Foundation. Great, wo uh, great work tying everything together. Uh, more importantly, it shows that the guys are doing the right thing, bringing visibility to the topic, as, as evident by uh, recurring messages from your participants. Uh, love you guys. So that that's pretty cool. Uh, Carlos has been closely monitoring the podcast, as as you can see. <laughs> Does he give AAR notes? These are Overwatch, apparently. <laughs> yeah, taking AAR notes. Actually, every time he listens to a podcast, he sends me a message. He's like, hey, this was great. This was that. You know, uh, can you guys add this later? You know, and things like that, which is pretty cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. Feedback is good. The only way any of us get better at our game, no matter what it is, that's is with right. honest feedback, right? So if, if anybody well, got well, any feedbacks too. or any uh, testimonials to send, go ahead and send them. Uh, we're on Instagram, VTSR01. Uh, so send us a message. I just wanted to thank you guys again for having me on your show. Man, that's, um, that's a pretty awesome experience. I really appreciate it. Just remember, I was the big spoon. <laughs> hey, Nate. Would you say that word of apology one more time? The the one that sounds really funny when you Canadians say it starts with an S. 
ends with an Ori. Sorry, I'm really sorry. Sorry, my attitude, because I'm all about the election tomorrow, and it, it's, it's, it's making me hold my glue a bit more. Apologies. Like my son said, that Nate sounds like the movie Super Troopers too. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note. Super Troopers too. You need a lot of fucking moose. It's all about moose, eh? It's all about honey crullers and the pucks <laughs> playing the game of hockey. And the mayor's telling us what to do. <laughs> you're very welcome. Now I have to watch the movie. Thank you. Yeah, you're going to have to watch it, man. It's an amazing movie. Man. Again. Oh, okay. Again. Oh, I've seen it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so for once again, for the guys that are not following Mark, and if you're not, you're wrong. Uh, his Instagram is D dot stronghold and and then our uh vtsr01 is for us jp cervantes 180 alpha or 180a is me nate jester's tactical and mike take notes kids take notes kids because he changed his instagram handle that's right legion 18z as a zulu yes so and if you got any questions about how you spell any of those because i can't spell in english or spanish or Portuguese, uh, <laughs> then just look at our post when we post this uh, this podcast, and you're gonna see all the handles right there, and you can follow us. Uh, anyways, any anything else, guys? Nothing for me, Mike. Uh, <laughs> Mike, please uh, keep your trailer home uh, <laughs> clean for me, so when I come and visit, all right? It's a double. It's a triple wide. And by the way, it's not a trailer; it's a mobile. Is it a state. double wide? It's a triple white alien. You know, before we close out, let me tell you that the first time I, you know, no, no, no. I seen mobile homes in the outside, right? When when I first moved to Fable, I'm talking about 95, right? So I see mobile homes and I go like, man, that's crazy. And then one of my soldiers was living in a mobile home and he always kept telling me, I didn't know it was a mobile home. He just kept calling it my double white. So of course I just come from Puerto Rico. We don't have that stuff over there. So I'm like, Okay, double wide. Uh, I guess that's a uh, that's that's a big house. It's it's double the size. So, <laughs> so I had to go and do a. Uh, w- w- I had to go with my sergeant and do a health and welfare because he was a pig in the barracks, right? When he was in the barracks, so they had to go and check his house. And his wife was complaining about some stuff. We go there. Let me tell you, some of those trailer homes are pretty freaking badass. We walk in and there was a jacuzzi. There was, dude. I was like. But that don't look that way from the outside. You look at the outside and you're expecting you're going to walk in and there's going to be cockroaches and all that stuff, right? No, you walk in. That's Some of those are pretty so freaking right nice. right there, that's where we're going to end this episode, ladies and gentlemen, because JP has just pointed out the true meaning of Christmas and his Grinch heart has grown three sizes bigger because he has realized that it's not about the outside of a person or an object or a book. It's what's inside that matters deep down. <laughs> Because inside you is a beautiful jacuzzi that we can all swim in. <sighs> what the hell was that, Nate? <laughs> all right, Jason. <laughs> I gotta use that. I gotta use that in my next Tinder date. I'll be like, inside of you, there's a beautiful jacuzzi. <laughs> all right, send us out, brother. Send us out. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We will see you next time. And uh, to all our listeners and our supporters and our foundations and partners, thank you so much. And remember, no matter what happens, don't cash out, guys. Don't cash out. See you later. Take it, Nate. Thank you to our main sponsors, Nostifiance Group, LLC, 
Uptown Auto Glass, and ATAX Cam. Dad asked you have a plan. He said I do. Gonna go protect this land. This song is for you. Young girl could have been anything in the world, but she chose to serve. Gave her life such a sacrifice. This song. 